Hello and welcome to the creative stream of the Pondo podcast. I am one of your hosts, Michaela, and today I'm super excited because we have our first guest uh, participant <laughs> in the in the creative stream. Um, her name is Kristen Hernandez, and she is a very dear friend of mine. Um, so welcome, Kristen. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Um, so would you like to start with just introducing yourself? Um, just let us know a little bit about you. What's your daily life like? And Yeah, of course. So as you said, my name is Kristen Hernandez. I live in Southern California, just right down the mountain from Pondo. I am a former, um, I guess you'd call it Pondo alumni. I spent a summer here in college on staff. And yeah. um, this is just a place that's so near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm married to my husband, Chris. We've been married for coming up on 10 years this year. Um, we have a son named Andrew. He is just about to be three this month. Um, and then we are also parents to five babies who are with Jesus. And mm. we'll probably circle back around to that later. Um, but my day-to-day, I, I'm home right now. I have the opportunity to do that. I also serve at my church, helping with kids ministry. Um, have been on staff there for the last about two years. Um, and I'm transitioning into a season of being more of a stay-at-home mom, but also a writer. I have mm. a book coming mm-hmm. out later this year, and Ooh. I'm really excited about that. So I'm just really looking forward to seeing what the Lord continues to do with that and with our family. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so that book is a big reason of why we've invited Kristen to um, come share with us today. So our topic that we're going to dive into is the value of creating through grief or crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get into more of that, um, I just want to share a little bit of the story of how Kristen and I know each other, because that's kind of yes, fun. Yes, please do. Um so we we have overlapped in kind of almost these in parallel a lot of ways. Of life. Yes. Yeah, the Lord keeps intersecting our paths yes. over and over, which I love because mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for you. Yeah, yeah. There was no way we were never not going to meet before yes. we became friends. I knew of her, and every time I would share something personal with somebody, a friend of mine, they would be like, "Do you know Kristen Hernandez? You need to talk to her. You two would be friends." Um, which is funny because those words were spoken to me exactly as well, which I think is why so we ended up having our first like friend date and we had yes. coffee together uh-huh. um, was because people had on multiple occasions said the same thing to me. And I finally sent you, I think, like a private message on Instagram or something yes. like that and said, um, people keep saying we should be friends. So would you like to get coffee with yes. me sometime? Yeah, and that, I've been thinking about that message a lot this week as we prepare for this interview. So it was so sweet, and I just think it like encapsulates the way that you are so generous with your heart and your story and always reaching out to people. Um, so just before the kind of substance that brought us mm-hmm. together, um, we, we had both been staffers here at Pondo as college students, Different years. We went mm-hmm. to the same university. Yes. Didn't know um, each other there, but nope. we were there at the same time. <laughs> we probably have tons of mutual friends <laughs> even from there. Um, and we grew up in the same ho- hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, years later had moved back to that kind of that area. And then we're going to the same church. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually be- both were on staff yes. at that church. Um, but we knew- we met each other and became friends a little bit before we were on staff yeah. together. Mm-hmm. So that um, message that Christian- Kristen sent me was 
just weeks after I had lost my boyfriend to a car accident. And I had shared that story back in um, the March uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and his name was Ethan. And then Kristen mm-hmm. had a precious son, a newborn, also named Ethan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that message, she had said, we, we've both lost Ethan's. And mm-hmm. I just want to go out and get coffee with yeah. you and get to know you. And it was so sweet and so um, I just remember just reading that and the tears just mm. pouring down my face because she had shared a little bit of her story. I'll, everything was still really raw for me. And um, just this stranger who, you know, I knew we would be friends eventually, <laughs> <Yes>. but like <laughs> that she would just um, reach out to me and not like, you know, when when you have tragedy in your life, there's a temptation to like hole up and like keep it Mm -hmm. like separate and private but that you're just so generous with that side of your life um so thank thank you you. (laughs) thank you Michaela because it was it's been it was and is still such a joy to like build our friendship and with this not just common grief but also this (laughs) common love for the Lord and the Mm -hmm. hope that we have in him but also the understanding that that doesn't I mean that is like this indescribable gift and like there's no denying that um but at the same time like life here on earth is so hard and so painful and losing those we love Mm -hmm. is like one of the greatest pains that Mm -hmm. we can ever walk through and so just being able to process things together and you know go through grief together and still point each other toward the truth but also do it in a way where we are mourning with those who Mm -hmm. mourn I know that has been such a gift to me as well so thank you for saying yes and getting coffee with me of course continuing so glad since that day yeah um so we I would love to talk to you about the book that mm-hmm. you have written, and that's going to be released later this yes. year. I'd love to hear more about that process, um, but I think maybe to give us a little context before we get into kind of the creative process, would you like to share a little bit of your story? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So my my husband and I, we got married, I think I mentioned earlier, but a little, little less than 10 years ago, and pretty soon after we got married, we both knew we wanted to have kids. Like mm-hmm. we, were, we were ready. We couldn't wait to get started. We just really both have had a heart for kids and a passion for that. And we just were, we just could not wait. So um, we started pretty early on. It was about a year into our marriage that we decided to start trying and um, ran into a lot of a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say a lot of, but also very little. The, the doctors couldn't find any reason why, but basically I just had a hard time getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to take a break after a lot of months of prayer and going to doctors and tests and them all saying, you're healthy. We don't know why you're having a hard time getting pregnant. Um, we decided to just take a break because our next step would have been some fertility treatments and we just, we needed to rest first. And during that time, I actually became pregnant for the very first time with mm-hmm. our son, Ethan. Mm-hmm. And we were over the moon excited. Yeah. And we just <laughs> praised God. Like this felt like the end of our like big trial. Like mm-hmm. it felt like this was our life trial is yeah. walking through infertility and these years of waiting. And we were just like, Lord, like this is this child is yours. We dedicate him to you. We devote his life to you. Um, you know, he he's your child. And in my mind in those prayers that we 
you know, lift it up to God daily for our child and dedicating our child to him. I had this idea in my head that that would mean that one day when he's 18 and he comes to me and he says, mom, I feel like God wants me to move overseas and be a missionary. I'm going to just surrender that to you and say, great, because I've devoted his life to you and he can do it. And I had Uh this idea of what it meant to devote him to God. And had no idea of what that would actually look like. Um, when I was about halfway through the pregnancy, I had a doctor appointment and, um, in an ultrasound, the doctor found a lot of red flags, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of medical concerns. Ethan had a heart defect. He had, um, just some abnormalities in his brain. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of other things that they found, but Mm -hmm. basically after just walking through the rest of this pregnancy, not knowing what was going to happen, um, we ended up delivering Ethan. We, um, welcomed him into the world Mm -hmm. on August 16th. 2015. Um, he was beautiful. Yeah. He was perfect in my eyes, but physically and in his body, there were so many imperfections mm-hmm. that his body was just so weak and he died later that same day. Um, mm-hmm. So he never came home. He died in the hospital that day. And I felt so um, abandoned by God. I, I know that that's not the truth, but those were where my emotions were. Yeah. I felt like God had led me out into the wilderness and left me there. I mm-hmm. felt like after years of praying and he said yes to this desire that was like the yeah. greatest desire in my heart that mm-hmm. he had kind of ripped it away from me at the last possible moment. And it felt very cruel to me. I really mm-hmm. wrestled with him. And so I threw myself into writing very quickly after Um, the book. I started writing, I believe it was like three weeks after we had buried our son. And um, it started out as really like wrestling and questions and also just wanting to journal everything because I didn't want to forget, even Mm -hmm. though it hurts so bad. And there's a part of you that just wants to forget all those bad feelings. But then Mm -hmm. there's also a part of you that doesn't want to let go of it and doesn't want to remember. Yes. And I never wanted to forget how it felt in those first few weeks weeks and yeah. and when he was there there was joy in it too it wasn't all bad there right. was the joy of meeting him and even though it was short-lived and I, I just didn't want to forget any of it so I started writing and um in the years that followed I continued writing and I thought that this story is going to end with this bow at the end and we're gonna you know have a baby probably in, within the year and everything's gonna be great and mm-hmm. um, we ended up having four babies lost through miscarriage in, in the years that followed and Mm-hmm. Um, the story took a little bit of a turn, but in a, yeah. in a way that I think God, I mean, I know God really orchestrated those details that, um, it started out me thinking that it would have a quote happy ending in the way I was wanting it to. And uh-huh. really I end up, um, I ended up writing a lot about what we can cling to when our circumstances don't change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I mentioned we do have our almost three-year-old son. Yeah. Um, and I'm so, so incredibly grateful for him. But I think something that I really have learned and that I feel like the Lord has really spoken to me, even in my writing, um, is that he's not the redemption in our story. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus already came as a baby to be the baby who would redeem my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in our writing, I, you know, I don't, talk about that pregnancy a whole lot just because I really felt like the Lord was revealing to me that that's a different story for another time. Um, and this particular one is about grief and about when we're still sitting in grief at the end of the day and don't Mm -hmm. know the end. And so, um, I actually finished it prior to then, but have spent Mm -hmm. the the last few years editing it and getting it ready to go. So that's kind of the context of, um, how, what led me to, to really throw myself into writing. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing yeah, thank that you story. For, thank you for inviting me too. Yeah. And I can't wait to read it. Um, I know you blogged a bit uh, like mm-hmm. through that process yeah. and I've 
um, read a lot of that blog and it brings me to tears every time, but, um, always in a, in a really hopeful way. Not that you always tie everything up in a, in a tidy way Mm -hmm. because grief is not tidy and like we weren't made for that. And so that's always going to feel like an unresolved Mm -hmm. loose end to some extent, but there's always so much hope in the way you write about it because you just bring like my, I can bring my own story and my emotions to it. And it gives me Mm -hmm. a space to process it in a way that's like, it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I can't wait to read. Well, thank the yeah. Book. yeah. Thank you. I'm, <clears throat> I'm so excited and just God's grace has been all over it just with it coming this far. And, yeah. um, I signed my publishing agreement actually this weekend. And oh so we are like, it, I was going to ask you we're how on the way for that. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So it's, it's edited. Um, I believe our timeline is probably about like three to five months or so so hopefully uh-huh. by this fall we'll have I'll have a copy in my hand wow and it's, it's like six years and coming and yeah so I'm That's really incredible. excited to see what God does with it I'm I'm so happy for you oh, thank you <laughs> that's a big deal publishing a book um uh, so can I ask what route you went with publishing? Is yeah, it- I actually ended up doing self-publishing okay I cool think part of that there was lots of factors in this mm-hmm. um I mean, one thing is that it's really hard to break into traditional publishing. Sure. And um, another reason, though, is that I knew that with it being such a personal story, mm-hmm. um, that it would be really difficult for me. I wanted to get constructive criticism, but yeah. I knew that getting a publisher tell me to rewrite everything or yeah. change everything would be really I'm afraid of difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was really like nervous about that. And I, I knew that if it came to it, that I would do it. And so mm-hmm. I kind of in the beginning pursued both routes um but then found that point number one that it's hard to break into traditional publishing Mm -hmm. was true Mm -hmm. um it is pretty difficult I tried to seek an agent at a few different places and um but just kind of left it with an open palm of lord like if this isn't the route you want me to take Mm -hmm. then just guide me and so it was just through a series of kind of taking little steps forward and being rerouted that I found um a self-publishing organization it's they they help you self-publish so some people go completely on their own to self-publish and do their own layout and their own design and everything and I wanted a little bit of help so I found somewhere kind of in the 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 middle where I could still self-publish um still own everything and still have the the creative freedom to Mm. to say what I wanted to say um but also having some help like hiring a professional editor and a professional designer and getting a little bit of help that way um other people who have those strengths can use their strengths and I can use mine, but knowing that there's some of those ones required in writing a book that I don't have. And so yeah. it was, it's been great to be able to find a team to collaborate with. So I'm really excited for how the route it has gone and how we've yeah. gone down that road. For sure. Um, if you could, I don't know if this is going to be hard to do in a sentence, but if you could like say what your your hope or your goal for this piece of work is, what would that be? Mm. Like you said, this is hard to just put like to condense, but I yeah. think if I if I had to just kind of put it in a little nugget mm-hmm. to pass along, I really want it to minister to other hearts who are hurting and to mm-hmm. really encourage them to know that even when everything hurts really badly, that they're still good and God is there. And I and I don't just say that in like a trite, like 
light saying kind of thing of like, oh, there's always good or there's always a silver lining. Like I think there is a truth we can cling to when the grief is real. And Mm -hmm. so it's not to diminish the pain and it's not to say that, you know, well, this is good because God is good. Like sometimes there are bad things that enter our world, but God is still good and bigger Mm -hmm. than those things. And Mm -hmm. so there can be such beauty in and lamenting and in, yes. in wrestling with God, even I think yeah. there's an intimacy in that. Yeah, um, I think wrestling is different than than abandonment. It's different than turning mm-hmm. on your heels and walking the other way. Sure. Wrestling requires engagement, and so um, I really hope it invites people to be real about their questions and and their pain, but yeah. also points them to that hope because we have a greater hope that can withstand the the deepest griefs in our lives and so I know that was more than a sentence but oh I think yeah that no that you big did it perfect the, that's what I meant like book. a nugget yes. of yeah and I think that's beautiful and that like lament is mm-hmm. I know you and I have talked in other conversations about how American culture hasn't always given us the best tools mm-hmm. to know how to yeah. deal with grief or how to engage with someone else's grief. Um, but like in the Bible, there are examples of of lamenting and, and that being a regular part of this human experience mm-hmm. in this broken age. Yeah. And so I think the more that we can tell stories like that, um, the more it helps us develop those those tools and mm-hmm. and it gives other people the space to like be honest with like you're saying that wrestling that's not that's not bad that's not yeah. walking away from mm-hmm. god um i know in my own grief this idea of leaning in was a mm-hmm. really big like concept between the lord and i and always this invitation to um like that it was okay to ask whatever questions i wanted as long as i asked them f- from this like humble place mm-hmm. of like yeah. leaning into his presence like there's a there's I could ask the same question with a tone of like leaning away yes. arms crossed yeah. resistant putting up that wall but it was like the Lord was like come to me with everything mm-hmm. and just like lean and if you fall into me and it turns into a wrestling match that's okay yeah. because we're engaged and we're getting closer and like you said it builds intimacy yeah. Um. so I think your book and just the more people bravely write books like that Mm -hmm. is we need it like we need to hear those stories and I know it will strengthen faith and um it's just such an encouragement in in an unexpected way almost yeah it's not the story it's not the way that you would probably ever hope to encourage someone or um you know you would think like well it would be great if one day I could write a book and just say you know like really flowery things that Mm -hmm. sound so nice and so pretty (laughs) and it'll be a coffee table read and it'll just be you know this beautiful (laughs) thing that people put out in their homes but um it's it is really special though how the Lord entrusts us with different stories mm-hmm. and and equips us to use those stories for His glory. Yeah. Um. So as you've like, so you've had. I'm sure there's been different stages of mm-hmm. your writing process. So you said you started writing just three weeks after you buried yes. your first son. Yeah. It um, changed a lot as as time went on. Mm-hmm. And I think in the beginning, the writing was I had all of this emotion and questions and just so many things pent up inside of me. Mm-hmm. Like it was this buildup and it had nowhere to go. And I, I had all this like love in my heart. I didn't know where to direct it. I had all this pain that I was holding on to. I didn't uh-huh. know where to direct it. And so it felt like this way of just like releasing it, like this shaken up 
bottle that, you know, had all this like pressure built up on it. And mm-hmm. instead of it exploding, like this was a way that it was very therapeutic for me. It was yeah. a way to get out a lot of that, that energy and that pain and mm-hmm. um, really put it to words. And I think seeing it on a, on a screen, um, I did a lot of it was typing instead mm-hmm. of like physical pen and paper, but mm-hmm seeing the words on a screen there's something about that I think you're it's yeah. it's a physical experience you're not just doing it you're not just writing it you're not just hearing it like you're kind of engaging with multiple senses at once and yes. I think there's something about that that could be very very therapeutic mm-hmm. yeah I would totally agree with that um I I started writing um really quickly after uh uh, my boyfriend's um, passing away and I would say I've been working toward you know what might become a manuscript but there's almost been like three iterations mm-hmm. of it I think in the first I was just it was it was the emotions mm-hmm. and it was this like I I feel all of this inside of me and I need like you're saying I need it to become something on the outside mm-hmm. of me as yeah, well yeah. I need to experience it in that way and for people that are like making a lot of assumptions maybe about what I'm going Mm -hmm. through. Like I was just like, this just clears it up. This is what it actually feels like for me. Um, And that one was just really raw and honest. And then a few, like maybe two years later, I revisited everything I had written and made it more linear. And Mm -hmm. um, it was much more big picture. Mm -hmm. I was noticing the themes that God was like weaving through um, just everything about that, the, the, the hope for marriage mm-hmm. beforehand and like what God had been saying, you know, when Ethan and I yeah. were dating and then into, you know, after he had passed away, what the Lord was saying. So that was a really big picture. And right now I'm working on what is like the third stage of it. And I hadn't really thought of it this clearly until yesterday <laughs> that now it's kind of like bringing those two together yeah. and taking a look at both pieces of work and making sure the emotions are feel as honest and as immediate as they did back mm-hmm. when I was um, initially yeah. writing, mm-hmm. but also holding the big picture through and like, those threads through the yeah. whole thing. Um, I can't wait to see that too. Yeah, me and too. It, <laughs> I'm I'm so excited for you, and I I love something you touched on about. God like revealing these themes to mm-hmm. us because I think mm-hmm. when we see it on paper it's like many of us have probably heard the concept of keeping a prayer journal and like yeah. that's a way to see like how God has answered prayers or spoken to you or how the Holy Spirit has laid different things on your heart and when you see it on paper it's a reminder or when God you know answers a prayer in a certain way like writing that down and it makes me think too of how the Israelites would set up like memorial stones yeah. and would have like places where they would like they like set up an altar to the Lord and it Mm -hmm. was a physical reminder of things he had done. And I think in writing, we do that. And it's so easy for me to turn around and kind of forget things or forget things that he was teaching me in that season. Mm -hmm. But seeing it all written down helps us remember. It's kind of like these memorial stones that we're laying, but in the form of words and we can go back and see and remember the things that he has done and the things he's continuing to do. Cause he's always yeah. working in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's in these painful ways, you mm-hmm. know, that you and I never would have expected or, or asked for specifically, but just what a, what a gift and, um, just what a comfort it is to know yeah. that he, he's working there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The mention of the memorial stones, like that's exactly how I see it. And that's for me, that's one of the things that keeps me 
creating mm-hmm. through all the different seasons yeah. of life because it's like that I don't I don't want to forget and I know that the Lord is working and I know that there's going to be a day or you know days throughout all of this when it's like remind me again Lord yeah. what you're doing <laughs> yes. because all I can see is like the the pain or the chaos or whatever right in front of me and it takes a discipline to mm-hmm. like remember what what God has done yeah well and that even that reminds me like us needing to remember like you continuing the analogy and the parallel to the Israelites like they would Mm -hmm. set these up and they would turn around and forget and Mm -hmm. you know we read that in the Old Testament and I go man like God opened the Red Sea for them and delivered them from Egypt and how could they forget but I know that I am so prone to that like I forget too and it is such a help to have it written down and to go back and look at it and reflect and and to thank him for meeting us in those really deep, dark valleys. Yeah, for sure. Um, do have you noticed your tone changing at all as time has gone? I have. And it's interesting because for me, I've noticed some changes in ways that I wouldn't have expected. Hmm. So I've written multiple drafts of this and the first one was very raw. Um, and it was, it was raw in some ways, but there were other ways that a few years later I went back and read and I thought I can see how I was even trying to insert silver linings in Mm. places where there wasn't one. Like I can see my attempts to kind of go with what you were saying of how, you know, our culture really has a hard time embracing grief. Like we're very quick to tell people like, you know, be positive, think positive. Mm -hmm. You can do it. You've got it in you. Like all of these words that sound really nice, but most people are walking through something really hard. Or if you Mm -hmm. aren't currently, you're probably going to, or you have, Mm -hmm. and there's some sort of valley in your life that is going to be very difficult. And I found that I was kind of trying to conform to that because a lot of people were saying things like that to me Mm. as I was in my initial stages of grief of, you know, well, let's just like thank God that Ethan is healed and things that were true, things that were very true. But in that moment, I also wanted people to cry with me and I wanted them to feel with me. And I felt alone in some of my emotions because Mm -hmm. while I believed what they were saying, they were saying it with such lighthearted, you know, Mm -hmm. tones that I thought this does not match how I'm feeling inside, even though I believe every word you're speaking. And I think that in some of my first drafts, I could tell that I was trying to meet those expectations of people around me. And so I think my tone has changed because I think it became more honest the more Mm -hmm. I was internally wrestling and really entering into that greater intimacy with the Lord of recognizing that he wasn't going to turn my back on me because I asked questions. And by me humbly approaching him and admitting that, I God, I feel angry. Uh, This feels cruel. And I know that your word debunks that like there mm-hmm. I know that you are good and that mm-hmm. you are not cruel but this is how I feel so help me like yeah. help me to reconcile yeah. this because this feels cruel but I know that you're not and just coming to him I think I became more confident in who I was as his child and mm-hmm. that you know he wasn't just distant and removed from me and my grief and someone that I should be afraid to approach though I you know want to approach him with humility and reverence but knowing that he had his arms wide open waiting for, you know, he waits for us to come to him with that. And so I think it became more honest as time went on. Um, But also there was more hope as time went on as well. So in some Mm. ways it, it became more raw, but also more hopeful if that even, you know, makes sense to have both of those things happening at the same time. Totally. 
in last month's episode of the Creative Stream podcast, we were talking about how to create through our emotion and how to evoke and convey emotion. Um, and we got to talking about how um, what's honest and what's true uh, don't always immediately mm-hmm. line up. And sometimes there's a gap between the two. And that with God, there's always that invitation to be honest. Mm-hmm. And there's not, yeah. there's no shame in like, you know, when we're like, we know the right answer, yes. but I feel this yes. way. And that I think a lot of this this lifetime we have here in this age is about getting, the more we're walking mm-hmm. it with God, the more those yeah. two are getting closer yeah. and yes. closer yes. together. Um, so I think, and then when we're honest, we give other people permission mm-hmm. to be honest yeah. as well. And there's a freedom in that and like kind of a whew, deep breath. Mm-hmm. I can take my guard yes. down around you. Like it's okay to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there is a shame and a stigma associated with grief and with mm-hmm. doubt and with wrestling. And mm-hmm. I love what you said about, you know, the truth and what is honest, mm-hmm. like holding both things in our hands, because as believers, like we know that we can stand on the truth of God's word. And we know that that doesn't change regardless of how we feel. But at the same time, we know that our feelings are so are so real and yeah. so hard and we go through hard things. So it's mm-hmm. never to diminish the you know, the reality of that and to mm-hmm. say that it doesn't exist. Cause I think there were times where I felt this pressure to almost ignore the pain and just pretend mm-hmm. it didn't exist mm-hmm. for the sake of clinging to the truth. And, and I, I never want it to sound like I'm saying don't cling to the truth. Cause I think for we sure. should like yes. <laughs> every bit of strength in you cling to that truth. Um, but also allowing yourself to feel as you do that mm-hmm. and, and, Coming to God with those emotions, Mm -hmm. knowing that he created our emotions, knowing that our emotions don't have the final word. They are not always the truth. Um, Oftentimes they are not. Mm -hmm. Um, But clinging to that truth that we know doesn't change. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think of an example from the Gospels like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane Mm -hmm. and that him being like he had the... There wasn't a sense of like, oh, I got to like pull myself together and like, Mm -hmm. you know, brace myself. And he was just like, he had the freedom to honestly come before his father and ask for something different. Yeah. Ask for a different outcome. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. scripture even talks about his emotion. It says mm-hmm. he was sorrowful, sorrowful, even to the point of death. And that mm-hmm. is like such a deep emotion yeah. of sadness. And I love that picture as well, because he is submitting humbly to the father. Yeah. He's, he's not fighting God on this, but he mm-hmm. is coming to his father, knowing that he hears us and asking him for another way, but then in the same breath turning to, but God, not my will, your will be done. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the tears of blood that came from his mm-hmm. forehead, just what intense emotion yeah. were wrapped up in that, um, in that moment, even as he submitted and moved forward with what God already had ordained for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That has given me so much, um, comfort as it's, uh, you know, it's not like this. Sometimes I think if I was like really spiritual, like I would be at peace with it all, mm-hmm. all the time and that it's okay to struggle. It's okay to, to wrestle. It's okay to ask for a different outcome. It's okay to pray mm-hmm. for something yeah. to go differently than the way it's ultimately going to go. Um, and that doesn't, doesn't make you wrong because Jesus demonstrates that. But the important thing is that humility and and trusting God and submitting yeah. to him yeah, no matter what. Um, so I a few sentences ago, you said something about 
um, just feeling that pressure. And so I want to talk about that in a couple different ways. Mm -hmm. So there's like, I can imagine that pressure to, like you said, uh, kind of, you know, put a positive spin on it, Mm -hmm. find the silver lining. Um, And also, how, like, did you ever experience a pressure to like, I have to make something good come out of this? I think I did feel some of that Mm -hmm. at times. Mm -hmm. And I, I think some of the pressure, it it was from within me, but it was this pressure that I put on myself from the way culture around me was expecting me to grieve. It was Mm -hmm. wanting to meet their expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think especially within the church. And I, I yeah. want to preface it to say, like, I, I love the church. The yeah. church is the bride of Christ. Like we should love the church and be in the church. Um, but I had the hardest time in my initial months of grief being around my brothers and sisters in the church, mm-hmm. because I feel like that's where I was getting a lot of this pressure to just kind of rush through this this pain and just kind of embrace the upcoming resurrection. I've, I've heard a friend mm-hmm. um liken this to like this season between Good Friday and Easter is this holy Saturday where all of the world grieved and we knew that Sunday was coming. Like Jesus had prophesied that Sunday was coming. Mm -hmm. Um, As believers, we know that like another resurrection and the coming of Jesus is coming, but we, because we know that we want to rush through this holy Saturday period that a lot of us are living in. Mm -hmm. And I think I felt that the most in the church where Mm -hmm. it was telling me things that were true Mm -hmm. Um, but almost in a way to, I think, just kind of push it aside. Like it's really, and I, I understand sadness and grief is not something that is comfortable or that Mm -hmm. anybody wants to really talk about Mm -hmm. and, and linger in. And it's, it's so much more fun to laugh. I'd much rather laugh with those who laugh than cry with those who are crying. (laughs) Like it's, it's just so much more attractive and fun and enjoyable. It's how I would much rather spend a day. Um, so I understand. And I, I also think it's important to recognize that a lot of this comes from a place of care. People care about us they want us to be okay Um, they know we have the truth and so they want to point us to that truth Mm -hmm. but um, one thing that I think was so helpful to me is I um, there was a woman in my church that I remember her on a Sunday taking me aside after church and she asked me how I was doing and I was honest with her. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to be the honesty person like to everybody and I would brace myself for the responses people would say Mm -hmm. um, because you get everything from, oh honey, but you should just be so grateful because God, you know, God is holding him and and things that again were true, but I didn't appreciate the like almost feeling like I was getting a pat on the head and just like move on, it's okay. Um, And this woman took my hand and she had lost her son mm. 30 years prior. So she was that far ahead on her grief journey and in yeah. her walking with God through this and still clinging to him 30 years later, having gone through difficult things. And um, she took my hand in hers and she cried with me as she was speaking truth mm. to me. Um And that was one of the first times that I really felt this invitation to be honest about the pain. Um, And I remember her crying and with tears in her eyes telling me, I don't know what God is doing, but here's what I do know. And her speaking truth to me. And it felt so different than somebody just smiling and patting me on the back and, you know, just kind of giving me some lighthearted saying that you could put on a greeting card to try to help me feel better. And I, so I think I have felt that pressure. Um, I know I veered off the question a little, but kind of bringing it back, that pressure I have felt, um, a lot of times came in church, but I 
want to be like Debbie, who who held my hand and cried with me and mm-hmm. told me that it was okay to be angry and reminded me, she said, bring that to God. Like, don't be afraid to talk to God about that. Like, mm-hmm. come to him with it. Don't let go of him. Come to him with it and know that, you know, cling to these truths. And she spoke scripture to me, but doing it with tears in our eyes and, and mourning with those who mourn as we speak the truth is so helpful. It's so just transformative. It reminded me that I could still cling to God and I didn't have yeah. to, because that pressure, I think it's easy for us to internalize it and then in turn think that God expects that of us too, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. isn't the case because you have people in church telling you, just be happy, just have joy, just give thanks for the life time you did have with him, you know, at least this, at least that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God wasn't asking me to do those things. Like, yes, he wants us to trust him and to submit to him um, and to worship him, but he wasn't telling me just get over it. You know, that's, that's not the pressure from him. And so I think I felt that pressure from outer sources, but I think I, I, I allowed it to influence me and I brought it into myself and I put that pressure on myself as well Mm. to make the most of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were seasons, I think kind of like where I was saying in the beginning, I was writing, you know, with such a lighter tone and then realized Mm. that like, this was actually really difficult and I need Mm -hmm. to add some honesty here. Mm -hmm. Um, allowing myself it was in that getting more secure with you know it's okay to not put this pressure on myself to make something good of it it's okay to call some things the result of brokenness and some things are the result of brokenness in the world and to recognize that Jesus is the enemy of death like death isn't this thing that he's like rejoicing over too. like there's there's good at the end of death for Mm -hmm. the believer and you know praise God for that but God he did not you know, have this intention. I mean, he's sovereign over all things, but death is something he came to defeat, not yep. something that he would say, oh, death mm-hmm. isn't bad. Like death is good. Right. Like death isn't good, but Jesus is good and yeah. he conquered it. And mm-hmm. so what a gift, but it doesn't make the enemy this good thing that we should, you know, embrace and Absolutely. be thankful for. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've recited to myself the verse from, uh, Second Corinthians, is second or first, fifteen about the the coming resurrection. But that verse mm-hmm. that's like the yeah. last enemy to be defeated is death, mm-hmm. and it just always is this like, okay, Christ and I have the same enemy, and yes. he's doing something mm-hmm. about it. Absolutely. He's not like, you know, he's not dismissive of any yeah. of this. Like yeah. it matters to him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Um. So let's talk a little bit more about your uh, writing process. Um, Well, first, can I ask, like, is there anything you feel like you know about God and his character because of Mm. the fact that you chose to create through this? Yes. I'm glad you asked that because I, I feel like I felt really close to God as I was writing this book. Mm. And a lot of it is so... Our, everything is so noisy around us. Like we mm-hmm. have our phones, we have just responsibilities. It's so easy for me to just have so much noise all the time. Like I don't like to sit in quiet. Um, that is not like a practice of mine that I'm good at. I mm-hmm. want to grow in that practice of, of being quiet and just spending time with God. But I have been challenged to recognize that I like always have a podcast on or always have music on or always have mm-hmm. something on. And I think writing was a time where it was time set aside, where it it was mm. quiet mm-hmm. and I would spend time with God. And I think when I started writing, I wasn't realizing that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I would be reading through my Bible to try to find like answers to some of the yeah. questions I had. And I would be writing it. Sometimes I felt like as I was typing, I would feel the Holy Spirit impressing things on my heart. Like I would see my thoughts on on paper or on a screen in front of me and recognize the answer to it because the Holy Spirit was like prompting me to recognize how that that statement I had just written wasn't true or or giving me like the next sentence like there were times mm. I just felt this like quiet prompting of yeah. like I know where this is like I know what God would say in response to my question that is on the screen where mm-hmm. before I don't think I was really quieting everything enough to mm. really listen for his voice and mm-hmm. really um you know, I'm such a checklist person. I would read my Bible in the morning and it was like, oh good, that's done for the day and I can move on to the next thing. And really just like it allowed me to sit. And mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of my getting comfortable with wrestling and recognizing just that God invites us to lament and invites us to wrestle came through writing. I think there were a lot of times where I would be wrestling on paper and I felt like God was in, like bringing scriptures to my mind mm-hmm. and yeah. really like drawing near to me in that. And so that I think was a way that he really revealed to me things about his character was just by allowing me that time to quiet my mind Mm -hmm. and um, quiet all the distractions around me. And it really was a way of spending time with him. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That I would, I would say I I experienced something similar. It's just, it becomes like an intimate space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then how cool that a few months from now, you'll be able to hold that, you know, sort of Ebenezer of that, your time with God and have that book in your hand. So, uh, so Kristen, one of the things that I love about just hearing more of your process, but also having experienced it, um, you know, your you you blog. Kristen has a podcast of her own. Um, so if you you know if you're going through something and you would like uh, just more of this, more stories of people just honestly talking through their journeys. Um, that is a great resource. It's called Through the Lens, right? Mm-hmm. Through the uh, Lens podcast. Yeah. So there's that. And then uh, what is the new book called? Yeah. So the new book is called Sunlight in December. That's also the name of my blog and also where you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Everything is just at Sunlight in December. Um, And sunlightindecember.com is my website where you can go to get more info and also links to the podcast and the book. I'll be posting updates there. the, the tagline is still work like in the working stages, like workshopping mm-hmm. that a little bit. Um, but the main title is going to be Sunlight in December. Mm-hmm. And wh- where did that title come from? How did you So, come you know, it's really funny, and I'll make this a shorter version of the story, but I was a journalism student in mm-hmm. college. I was English, and then I minored in journalism. And in the journalism program, we had to start a blog because um, we all knew that's where news was moving, was digital and online. And um, so I started a blog in... 2009 and I called it sunlight in December. Mm. Um, and as time went on, I started it just because I liked how it sounded. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a Southern California girl. I love the sunshine. I was born in December. I just thought this sounds Mm. cute. It's Mm -hmm. like when we all made AOL names, like back in the day, it was just, I like how this sounds. I'll make this my blog. Um, but as time has gone on, I feel like that's really been a theme that the Lord has really been weaving through my life. It's this Mm -hmm. idea of 
the sun still shining um, and just that being a metaphor for like God's love and his grace is still there even when we're walking through storms and everything feels mm-hmm. so cold and windy and we're in a harsh winter. It doesn't mean that the sun is not there above it all. And it also doesn't mean that the wind isn't fierce and that the weather is not cold and bitter, um, but that he is still good and cares for us even when we're in those storms of life. And so started out as a blog, became a theme in my life. I mm-hmm. continued to write under that blog name. I actually ended up switching dom- domains. And so I, that old b- blog from college is not even doesn't exist anymore. So yeah. you won't find it anywhere, but um, continue writing under it. And it just has continued to be that theme. And so I've, yeah. I've stuck with it mm-hmm. through the years. I think that's really telling of how um, when like tragedy happens in our lives or some just something big it's it's never this it feels like in the moment this like left turn and you're like Mm -hmm. I did not see this coming I totally saw this going a different way but when you look back over Mm -hmm. like the themes that God has been writing in your heart all along like even though you know it's not a good thing and like we talked about death is is God's enemy any brokenness in this Mm -hmm. world is not a good thing but like it's it's a comfort to know mm-hmm. that it didn't take yeah. God by surprise. And he's been like weaving these themes mm-hmm. into our heart all along. And it kind of helps me to almost embody my story, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, yeah. like to own it. And because um, there, there can be this, I don't know, almost temptation to like just push it away uh, or. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like shocking every time you like think about it again Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) if you know what I mean yeah but it's it's just a comfort to know that it's not a surprise to him like as much as the tragedies that you and I have seen have Mm -hmm. caught us by surprise Mm -hmm. and were the last thing we expected it wasn't a surprise yeah to God and he knew and he'd been already preparing our hearts for it and I just think what a grace and what a gift as much as it again just as we've been saying death is in an enemy um Mm -hmm. you know god doesn't rejoice over death but he knew and he he like the plan is still unfolding like we know Mm -hmm. and we can look at scripture we know that it's not over we know Mm -hmm. that there is even more goodness coming and that we have it now with the holy spirit and we know that jesus is with us and but we also know that the plan is still unfolding and Mm -hmm. even when the things we've walked through like god he knew and he had been just preparing us all this time for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Throughout this whole conversation, I have this picture in my head. So back in my college days, it's like the first time I really had like a vision from God. And um, I just feel like this is just a really good practical picture mm-hmm. of what that vision was. And kind of the the short version of it was that I, I had like my heart was just totally walled up. Um, cut off from other people, trying just in total self-protection mode, which inadvertently becomes like self-sabotage <laughs> mode because um, you're not living your purpose, you're not reaching out to other people, you're not allowing other people to reach into you and you know impact your life or love you. Um, so my heart was just like walled up, and um, it was just this picture of God pouring His love into this like cylinder wall. Um, into my heart and the heart was like all gray and shriveled Mm -hmm. at the bottom and um, as God was like pouring his love in it was like 
like this water and I was just like, okay, great. Well, there's still that wall around it. Like what good is that going to do? And, um, the more the water poured in, like the pressure like got greater and greater until it like sprayed through a crack in the wall and then another and then another until like the, like God's love was so powerful. It obliterated Mm -hmm. that wall around my heart. And then all I could see was this like big, beautiful, robust heart with this water of God's love, like the living water, continually pouring in and continually pouring out. Um, And it was just this picture of like, you have to live um, just open and trusting that God will be your protector. And uh, with that love, like God will continually pour enough love into you that you can continually be pouring out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as I've listened to you share your story and um, just experienced, been be- like benefited from listening to your podcast, from reading your blog, and in the future from reading your book. Um, it's just such a picture of that generosity mm-hmm. of heart that you yeah. are continually pouring out. Um, and like I had said at the beginning, the fact that you reached out to me in the like initial onset mm-hmm. of my grief and became a dear friend and walked with me through that. Um, it's just it's just a beautiful picture of how Christ wants us to live. Mm-hmm. And so thank you so much for oh, thank you, for being friend. you, for being a friend, for, for doing the work that you're doing and for writing this book. Oh well thank you, Michaela. It's just been such a gift to to be your friend and to walk through this together. I'm just yeah. so grateful that we can do that. Absolutely. Well, would you have any advice for our listeners um, of how, if they're going through a tough time, what's something practical they can do to kind of engage in connecting with God, with creativity? What what could that possibly look like? Yeah. One thing that I would recommend is start writing and, mm-hmm. and don't feel this pressure like I did in the beginning to make it polished and to make it pretty. Just pour it all out there. The things that you maybe don't want to say out loud to anybody else or the Mm. things that you are still figuring out yourself, like just get a pen or your laptop or however you want to do it, a note on your phone, like whatever it needs to be and just start writing what you're feeling and then honestly bring those things to God and invite God to meet you as you're doing it. Mm. Um, I have found that writing sometimes feels like journaling prayers and that's not what I set out to do. It's not Mm -hmm. what I expected it to be, but I think you know, our prayers are more than just asking God for things. They're much more than that. I think culturally we tend to think that and it's much more than that. Um, but one aspect of prayer is drawing near to God with our with our lament and um, also, you know, the act of worship of acknowledging who he is as God. And I think just being honest and putting words on paper, I think you may be surprised that the words you see on paper may be things that you may not have realized you were feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, we've touched on this a little, just the cultural pressure on us makes us at times fearful to really say how we feel. And I think writing felt like a safe private space to really say what I felt and when we know how we really feel then we can bring those to God Um, because I know it's harder for me to come to him with how I feel when I don't know how I feel and thankfully he knows how we feel even when we don't but um, I think it it is a really helpful practice it's just start just pouring it all out there yeah absolutely awesome well thank you so much yeah thanks for having me here yeah all right guys Well, thanks for listening to the creative stream of the Pondo podcast. We'll see you next time.